Sadadin. Suleiman. How are you, bro? I'm not bad, man. Today we've got a big day. We're going to Brothers. Come on. Brothers is a Somali restaurant for those that don't know in Bruce Grove, Tottenham area. Yeah. I remember going there a couple years ago and it was the best food I tasted in that whole year. That's so, a massive <laughs> statement. So you're going to need to bro, break that I'm down. Gonna for us. So basically, I'm from Shepherd's Bush here. So anyone that's from <laughs> Shepherd's Bush, there's a lot of Somali restaurants there. There's Savannah, there's the village not, not far as well. So Somali cuisine is just part and parcel growing up in Bush, innit? When I went to Brothers, all of the Somali cuisine I tasted before, I just threw that out the window. I was like, nah, this is the new gold standard. Okay. Um, and I knew it was the real deal. From when you walk in, they give you a banana straight away. So that, to me, I was like, okay, they're setting the tone already. And the portions are huge. Mm. And it's fairly cheap. I remember a group of my friends, we were sitting in like a table of five, and we all ate from the same plate. And that's way everyone, yeah. Was that the first time you've done that, like with your boys? You know what I, I mean? I think it was, you know. It, you mean in certain ethnic households, yeah. that's quite normal, but like with your boys. Yeah, that's true. I never thought of it like that, but we all eating from a, like, you know, like a, a reasonably, reasonably big plate. That's wholesome, I can't lie. Yeah, that's it was really nice, cool. man. It was it was very communal. Yeah, it, literally, yeah, that's the vibe that. you get. It's very communal. Um, nah, I remember cool. we went after, we had, a, there was this inter London uni with Somali the society. The, huh? Joe, the Joe Cole Cup. <laughs> <laughs> the joke. <laughs> <laughs> now which one? Um, so yeah, it was inter London Uni Somali Society tournament. Yeah, Sandable. a very niche tournament, in it. <laughs> so yeah, we went to that um, a couple with a couple of my friends. Um, we ended up losing, but that's beside the point on that day. And then we just went to this yeah. to this restaurant, and it was a good day, man. Like I just remember being blown away. Bro. But so I'm looking forward to today, man. We're gonna go. We're gonna go there today after this. So. Nah, man, I'm excited as well. You've got me hyped up, bro. Yeah, I'm man. ready for that free banana. <laughs> that walk in. Now, you know, bruv, it, it sounds like it's the perfect restaurant. You get freebies when you walk in. The portions are big. It's cheap. And you're just like with your brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's called brothers. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad. Um, sick. Uh, but yeah, man, without further ado, mm. let's get into this conversation because I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it's about time that we unpack your story, your journey. Uh, so yeah, today's, as you can see with the title of the episode, today we're going to be speaking to Sadiddin. Me and him are going to have a convo back and forth about his journey. So yeah, let's start. Bro, let's start at the start. So what is your first memory? Like, What's your earliest memory that comes to mind? An early memory for me is, is me getting this scar on the side of my head. Come on, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, for real, I was like, yo, Harry Potter. Um, and I got that scar walking, running back, running um down the road after primary school. Mm. And I remember dropping, I think I tripped on a stone or something and, and just smashing the side of my head against the pavement. And looking at my hands and it was just all red. And my mum was wearing a jacket and it was a grey jacket. And... From the blood, it just turned red, basically. <laughs> and the two Crazy. moments I remember from this memory, and the reason why it stands out to me, other than the fact that I've got it left me with a permanent scar, is that I, for the first time ever, was given a gingerbread man from at the hospital. And I'd only seen a gingerbread man on TV before. Yeah. Um, a gingerbread man, like the gingerbread man in Shrek, if yeah. you've seen Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I got given like a lot of chocolate, like a like a nine pack of penguin chocolate bars. Bro, I used to bang up penguins. Yeah, they had the joke at the, the back. The joke yeah. at the back. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. Yeah. Um. So, I d- yeah, I remember getting given like all of those things. I I lost the gingerbread. I remember distinctly. Remember, I was looking for the gingerbread man. I was like, Yo, what what happened to my gingerbread man? You tell me the gingerbread man <laughs> ran away. <laughs> <laughs> there was. So yeah, and 
I suppose that's that's one that's one early memory that that's that will stay with me because I have the every time I look into the mirror I get flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason that doesn't surprise me because from from me knowing you now you're very high energy and like I I kind of yeah I'd say that's one of your characteristics high energy. Obviously you play football. Well maybe we'll talk about that later as well. So you running around as a kid and just going mad <laughs> is not surprising. Yeah, so high school, I would describe my high school experience as a typical inner city state school experience. Okay, that's a massive statement. I mean, it's, it's I, I completely understand what you mean because yeah. I know you and I come from a relatively similar background. But yeah. for people that don't know what that means, what does that mean? Break it down for us. So, look, there are shows on, on TV, yeah, like Waterloo Road. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever seen that. Yeah, yeah I remember Waterloo Road. Yeah. Mad things happen in Waterloo Road, yeah. Yeah. So I would say it's not that crude and unnuanced as like someone just does a madness like every other week <laughs> to keep the ratings up, yeah? It's not that bad, but there, like what you think, there are certain stereotypes that exist. To the extent, do, do they exist to that extent? Probably not, right? But look, one way I can describe, one way that I think shapes inner city state school is the way violence is manifested. Mm. So I would say that is particularly unique in inner city state school London, but probably other big cities or urban areas. What I mean by that is, yes, violence happens in every, everywhere you go, like especially as an adolescent, etc. But the way it's manifested and the impact and effect it has on people's lives in secondary school, in my opinion, from what I've seen, both working in secondary schools and obviously having been there looking back, is, I think, damning. Like, the, the, the extent to which you're at the mercy of the environment in which you're in is for me most blatant in uh, in a city state school. Cool. So would you like would you say that? So you've you've already said that the inner city state school experience is relatively unique. Yeah. In that violence is is it kind of manifests in a unique way, yeah. right? Why would you say it manifests in a unique way, like compared to non inner city London schools? Yeah. So I'll I'll give you an example. All right, so looking at primary school, we can say oftentimes if you have an altercation with someone. Yeah. What usually happens is the teacher might bring you in, you're both sitting there and you either like shake hands or something happens along those lines, right? And you either are friends the next day yeah. or you just kind of form your own cliques and sets or whatever. Do you know what I mean? If you're if you're more dramatic primary school like mine was. <laughs> <laughs> but and and I, I would say if you're in a non inner city state school environment, I think not the same thing happens, but something so, Violence doesn't really go too far, so altercation doesn't go too far. But in an inner city state school, if you get into an altercation with someone, that could change the trajectory of your life. And that, for me, is not a is not an over dramatic statement because, as I'm saying this year, I have names in my head of people whose lives have been changed because of altercations they've had in in secondary school. Mm. As that, young as year seven, year eight, year nine. Year seven, year eight, year nine, year ten, year eleven, straight like normal. That that and that to me is. As I get older and as I look back more and as I see more of the world and you realise that is not the norm, mm. you go, oh my days, like you, like I would say we were just all victims. No, we were all at the mercy of our environment to a large extent. Obviously, we can't completely attribute environment to everything because you get me, human yeah, beings, facts. we have our own agency, etc. 
I went to a state school in South London. It wasn't the worst state school, bro. Like, there was much worse in it. But for me, like, look, the more I look back on that particular environment, if X gets into altercation with Y, both your lives could be changed, like, literally. And, mm. and the next seven, eight years can be shaped by that. Mm. And that's standard. That's normal. That's not a, that's not a big statement to me. That's, I would say that's pretty normal. Bears out in the facts. I never tried an education because it was no point. Mm. It served me at at no point. So, so, yeah. so, how did you get yourself out of that headspace, uh, bro? It's, I didn't really, to be honest. As in, obviously, now I, I mean, I don't think like that. If that's that's the short answer to the question, but right. the idea of getting myself out in that some proactive way, like yeah, a Rocky yeah. montage, yeah, nah, yeah, it didn't yeah. happen like that. I did my first year of sixth form. I didn't, I didn't get any grades, basically, bro. Like, so mm. I. I was I was basically like I'm not gonna do any work, um, not consciously, but I didn't really do any work. I just thought sixth form is 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 just another stage. It's not real. Like I, I didn't see sixth form yeah? Mm. as logically as it sounds. I didn't see sixth form as a step towards an an apprenticeship or uni. I just thought of it as just another stage, like just another type of school. Like you know stage what I mean? seven yeah, or <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, just there. But then I think. After that year, and that year we can something we can speak about. But after that year, it was like, okay, this is for real. Okay, yeah, me like what I do now actually can kind of shape what where I what my next steps are. And I think that realization, although it it didn't happen proactively, it mm-hmm. happened in response to looking at my grades and being like, oh crap, like what what do I do now? Mm. What options are open to you? Yeah, um, that it was it was that realization and waking up to that that kind of triggered the thing of alright, cool, let me actually try and do this yeah. academic thing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, like we're, we're often reactive rather than proactive. Sometimes yeah. we kind of look back thinking we were proactive, but yeah. there was probably something we were reacting to. Um, so after that first year of A-levels, when you didn't come out with grades, what did you do next? Like, what was next for you? I remember I came up... I, I, I remember I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do... I'm going to uni. And what did I even think, bro? That's a good question. I can't remember. I think I said... I'm going to go to you. Oh, no, this was the turning point. This was the turning go point. On, so I started in my first year of sixth form and I did not care what subject I did. To give you an example of what that meant, I chose my subjects based off the length of the queue <laughs> on the sixth form choosing your subjects day. So I wanted to do, on that day, I wanted to do history. I wanted to do English. And I think I wanted to do psychology. But the queues were mad long, bro. Like, damn long. Like, snaking outside this classroom, all of that. I was like, I'm not doing it. I don't care, bro. It's not that deep. I'll just do... The shortest <laughs> cues here were for maths, biology, and chemistry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That was the shortest... There was no cue for that, which I should have taken as a sign to that, bro. We didn't. But anyway, there was no there was no cue for that. And I should have known that I should not have done maths here because in my sixth form at William Morris here, you have to get five out of ten to do maths <laughs> in like a short like little mental maths or whatever. Yeah. But I got five out of ten on the dot. <laughs> I was like, bro, this is a sign. <laughs> this is a sign. I should probably not do this. And I was not very good at maths, bro. Like, I was not very good at any of these subjects. But okay, yeah. the cues were short. I did them in six, I did them in six secondary. So I was like, how hard could it be? I'm familiar with this. If anything, this is easier because instead of doing ten subjects, I'm only doing three. So yeah. come on, light work. Obviously, little did <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, I found them. I, I found that year like just dumb hard. I remember being in the exam hall and just thinking, what are you talking? Like, what is this? Yeah. You know, like. They say to you in exam hall, leave hard questions to the end, yeah? Bro, I was flicking. I was like, yeah, I'll leave that to the end. Next page, leave that to the end. Next page, next thing. There's no more, there's no <laughs> more questions, innit? 
So yeah, that was tough. But yeah, I, that that was the turning point of just choosing subjects I was interested in. So mm. I chose English, I chose history, I chose philosophy. And for me, that was the turning point, man, because then I was like, yo, this is actually interesting. And there was a moment in my English class, and I remember, I, I don't think I'll ever forget this year, where I, there was like, you know, like you kind of unearth an interest that you didn't, that was latent in you, but because you never pursued it or you didn't inquire into it, it just kind of dormant. Mm. But I remember my teacher saying to someone, so there was a girl in my class, yeah, she was being rude or something to the teacher. And the teacher was like to her, stop being so facetious. And I remember when she said that word, I was like, yo, but it was like, you know, like a rap battle where someone goes, ooh, I was like that, but in my head, I was like, yo, facetious, that sounds <laughs> mad. <laughs> so I remember that, just hearing that word was kind of like, okay. And, and looking back now, I suppose those are the kind of the early signs of interest in a thing mm. because you don't. I was, and I'll say this to anyone listening, whatever you respond to in a way that is more than a typical response to something, that some sort of, something just happens, like you're just kind of like, oh, what's that? I want to know more about that. For me, that was kind of laying the seeds of what would go on to be like genuine interest in a subject. Mm, that kind of sense of awe or amazement, like where, where else have you felt that in your life or when else have you felt that in life, even more recently? Yeah, definitely recently, I can tell you, I'll probably say football, bro. Like, I don't think I've ever felt it in any other... Before that, it was just football. That's about it, bro, to be honest. Okay. Um, and more recently, it's definitely been the, the intersection of, of, of theology and law, um, is for me, and, and sociology. So, like, those kind of intersections. So, recently, I was watching um, an online lecture by a man called Dr. Sherman Jackson. It's called Islam in Black America. Mm. So, it just traces the genealogy of... of of, um, of Islam in America from the slave trade to the nation of Islam to immigrants coming from Indo-Pak and Arab world to pre-9-11 to post-9-11 and for me that that was something that it kind of that similar awe of hearing the word facetious in like wow this is mad interesting so that's a more recent example What kind of projects have you been working on since you left school? Uh, so yeah, after I left school, I qualified as a teacher of English as a foreign language. I did something called a CELTA course, which a lot of people do after university. And they use that to go and teach in somewhere like usually the United Arab Emirates or Thailand or like Southeast Asia, that kind of thing. Um, what motivated you to do that course? Like, did you want to work abroad or? What yeah, was a couple of things. Number one, it was, I knew I didn't want to go uni straight away. So that was the top of the list. I do not want to go uni straight away because I remember doing a work experience during my sixth form time and it was, in a, it was in a law firm. And I remember thinking distinctly to myself, I am in no rush to get here, fam. Like, <laughs> man's not racing to sit behind a computer. I'm not doing that. That's stupid, isn't it? Mm. That's what I thought. Like, this is, I'm telling you how, it, how my thoughts were in my head. It was just like, I am not in a rush to come and sit behind this computer. Like, cool. Obviously, it's, an, it's a nice job. Obviously, it's a privilege to work, whatever, 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 all of that good stuff. But I was like, man's not cutting. Man's not blowing to get here. So I was like, that's number one. I'm not racing. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to go to uni straight away. Number two, I was like, there's a thing that I'm interested in. And I've been working in the community anyway. Um, so I'd been a sports coach. So I'd worked in schools. And I got that taste of like being in your community and feeling more part of your community. So I was like, that's interesting. And... Um, and that idea of teaching is something I've been doing anyway as like a sports coach, etc. So for me, it kind of made sense. Um, I, I managed to get funding for it. 
so I didn't have to pay it. It was quite expensive, of course, like a thousand pound plus. So I wanted to get funding for it. And so I was like, yeah, this this is like a this is a reasonable way and a way I can justify to myself to take a year out because for me it wasn't it was like so long as I'm making use of that year, mm. I don't mind. Like that's calm. A year is fine as long as I'm making use of it. What does making use mean to you? Like then and now, has it changed? Not really. It's been the exact same. For me, it's like, can you justify it to yourself? Can you say to yourself you'll be a more well-rounded person? And that for me it ticked those boxes cool I like that you said sport sport coach like when did that happen was that something you so did yeah big, up, big up Jacob yeah so you know my friend Jacob like me and my friends as we grew up here we had a bringing culture bringing culture was strong so that that would explain the sports thing so a couple of examples is one I remember joining a new football team um, in South London and I rang up my friend Gim Mergim so he plays for Rising Ballers so some people might have heard of Rising Ballers and some not and now he's a professional footballer so I remember ringing him being like bro join a new team come through like straight up normal and he came and then we started playing together um, and I remember um, Jacob so Jacob started working for London Sports Trust through his cousin yeah. rang man up bro job calm like like the thing is you could work before my classes I can I can schedule it around my sixth form time in it. So I'll do like an hour here, hour there, two hours on Friday. And it was nice. Like you're just working in schools and basically doing sports with kids. I'm hugely grateful for it now because it it's shaped so much of like my idea of community, etc. But at the time I was just like, man, just kicking, man just playing sports and I'm getting paid. Are oh, you dumb? That's light work. So sick. And I used to and we used to do it with my so I used to sometimes some sessions I'll do it with Jacob. So it'd be me and my <laughs> friend, yeah. We were like 18, and sometimes we were teaching like 16, 17 year olds. So these people are there's not real no difference, in it? And so he's kind of just chilling with them, kind of like playing badminton or playing football. What, what time of day did you do this? After after six four in the mornings? Like sometimes before class. So oh, sometimes okay. it'll be like nine a.m or at 9.30 you go to like a nursery so that might be I remember doing that before English and I was always late to English that's yeah. cool man that's cool and then I remember I think it was on Friday or Thursdays we used to go to a secondary school in Fulham and we used to do uh, football and um, there was a game called Killer so I don't know like you just know a lot I just know a lot of games now because of this yeah. but Killer is basically like it's like basketball everyone lines up in a line and you have to take a shot in the net if you get it in the net the person behind you is out ooh Unless they score as well. Okay, I get it. But if they if you miss, the person has to take a shot from where the ball lands. Yeah, so that's killer. Yeah. So them kind of so we do that for an hour and then play football for an hour. So that kind of stuff. So that's Jacob bringing me in, and then I brought um, Ezra in, and then I brought and then um, I also brought Mo in, and then Mo brought another one. <laughs> so bro, basically London Sports Trust for like three years. Yeah, was literally just all our friends in it. We used sick. to sometimes we'd be on the same session, so that was just live. And sometimes we do festivals. So literally like six hours in, in a park and we're just doing whatever. Crazy. So a lot of good experiences. And another one is um, Vodafone, no, no, TK Maxx. <laughs> Bro, this is, the, this is the highlight of the bring-ins, yeah? yeah. Mo, so Mo started working in TK Maxx in Isleworth, yeah? And um, he was like, Bro, I've got a job. Come through in it. And he's like, the manager's my G. So you don't really have to... He, he's like, you don't have to interview, yeah. but he'll just interview anyway. That's true. Bro, imagine getting interviewed, yeah? And he's asking you all the real questions, but you both know there's no... I'm already in. Yeah. There's no... The, you get me? Yeah. Wait, did the manager... Like, did the manager know that you were friends with him? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's basically like, bro, just cut and just bring him in, innit? Yeah. Like, it's normal. We'll, just, we'll interview him for the show, Proceed but that. he's in yeah. already, innit? Um, so that was that was hilarious because it was it was a proper <laughs> interview so everything but he's like yeah you got the job anyway so did that um, and then and then again all of, all of our friends basically came through TK Maxx everyone's working at TK Maxx now in it for that for that summer 
Um, so yeah, very strong bringing culture. Why do we talk about bringing culture? Because of because of projects. Because of projects. Um, because you we were talking about how you eventually went on to do your own projects. That okay, were yeah. So that that was kind of like very. That was just normal. Even my friends now, like it's just standard stuff in it, and something I'm grateful for. And yeah. I think that is a. Yeah, man. It's just like co- the code of just being friends, isn't it? Part I don't know. Can you speak to that? I'm very interested to know, like, where that came from. Yeah. Part of me, like, part of me thinks that one individual created that culture or started that culture yeah. and everyone else kind of picked it up. Whether or not it was something they've been doing their entire life, yeah. it's just something that's been going on for a while. I don't know, but that's just me. Like, for me, if I was in that environment, whether or not I'm used to bringing people on, seeing my friends bring mm. each other on, just means that this is just this is the social norm like yeah. this is this is just this is yeah, how we do things yeah, within this yeah. context within this environment yeah so um i don't know like how would you explain it i would probably say it's to i think it could be to do with where, where opportunities are found yeah if if opportunities aren't found like through your family let's say yeah, exactly. then you're gonna look you're gonna the, the burden's gonna be more on friendship groups yeah. i would say maybe that maybe that's an explanatory factor in that you look outwards instead of inwards mm. and so you're more reliant on outwards because that's going to be where a lot of the opportunities come from do you know what i mean no, for sure. so that could be something but yeah what did you said that you were uh, you started to kind of get involved with your community a lot more yeah. what, what did that look like yeah so i like one example i can give you is like going to iceland to get shopping for my mum and bumping into like a little kid with his mum and saying hello to him on the way to iceland yeah like something small like that if i didn't do it i would not know you but yeah. i know this guy i know he lives in that block because i coach in that block and in their little pen, yeah. so we used to do that. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Um, another example I can give is I remember in my first. This was like the first time I've coached. We used to coach in a. Well, I coached for a long time in a, in a estate in Fulham called Townmead Estate, in Sandsend, yeah. Um, and this is just like a typical estate in London, yeah. So, you get me. The kids are. You get me. You find every kind of person mm. there, whatever. But the kids generally is a, is a nice time in it. But a kid, he was going to the shop on the break to get like ice lolly or ice pole and then on his way back he got trapped in between a ped and a car and he basically fell to the ground he would i don't think that industry any injuries he sustained were mad or not even very bad i think he basically came out the next the next three days and he was playing out again so it wasn't that bad but i remember that like idea of like everyone being like oh crap we have to go tell his mom where does his mom live on this door like these kind of things of like community building um just understanding, like, look, something happened to someone. Someone's got to break the news to his mom. We got, we got someone might have to go to hospital with her, all of this, just because you get me, like, you're all there, kind of thing, or you're all from the same block. Um, so th- those kind of ideas of community, I think, for me, they kind of instilled, um, I or la- laid seeds, which, like most things, you only kind of realize them looking back. I'm looking at the story and you did your CELTA, you mm. did, um, you spent some time working on different projects yeah. and then when did you know it was the right time to apply to university? Because um, you just said that yeah. university wasn't something you wanted to do straight away. Yeah, so after doing the, the, the CELTA and I uh, started a charity in called Language in the Community, so I was running that for a couple of years, but it got to a point where I had to sort of turn my head towards university. I knew I wanted to go to university, but not straight away. Um, and Litsy had got to a point where it could be self-sustainable. Like I didn't, it didn't need to run in that same way. We could change the way we do it. So like project-based 
So work on a project, execute, work on the next project. And um, so that's when I started thinking about unis. Um, so my first year of uni was at King's, King's College London. Um, I was doing ancient history there, which is a mix of what I was doing for A-level. So it was philosophy, but ancient philosophy. It was English, but ancient uh, literature. And it was history, but ancient history mm. <laughs> as, as the free. So I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I enjoyed, basically. Um, so I did that for a year. And my year at Kingsman, it was hugely transformational. Really? Yeah, hugely transformational. Um, the power of people is something that I came to really appreciate from my year at Kings. Like the, the, the what it is to build culture, the like the importance of good people, how my 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 criteria and yardstick for like the people I want to hang around with, all of those things were refined and developed when I spent my year at Kings. And I'll say that the, the reason why it's probably really transformational. It's because I went to, I started uni, I started Kings at 21, yeah. So I started when most people in their final year, like third year. So I came into uni thinking, uh, like most of my friends are finished with this. Like, what's this place? What can I really get out from this place? Do you get me? Like, I'm, I'm at the end of the scale. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much this place is going to benefit me kind of thing. Do you know so, what I mean? So it wasn't as rose tinted as it would have been maybe nah, if you were 18. Or yeah. But, but more so it was more, I suppose, a, a sense of arrogance in mm -hmm. that, like, like what? Well, I'm not gonna. There's nothing really to change about me. Cool. Expectations below them. Yeah, but more so, but less so because of the institution, and more so because of the position I found myself in. Like I've been 21. I'd worked. I did. The, I worked in uni. Da, da, da. So I was like, uni is just another. Is a formality because I I want to learn about this thing. Uni just happens to be the place that's there. Um. But yeah. But that that kind of idea was shattered basically pretty quickly. I remember in my first week. Bumping into Yusuf LT, yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget this. This is my first week. I could, we came both come out of the building at Kings. He's wearing a full suit with the waistcoat, bro. Like I don't know if you'll remember this, but we end up jumping on the same train. And he is a medical student, and he was taking a year to work in the student union, but as a full-time job, yeah. So he was doing this. And we were just walking and talking back to the tube, jumped on the tube, was speaking. And he was kind of telling me about his ideas and basically why he thinks student politics is really important and um, what he wants to do in the future as like a medic and, and what he was doing like later that day. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, I've got like a Quran class. I have to go to do this. And um, and we just had like a, it was a very full conversation for like seven stops. You know, like in London yeah, where you have yeah. to gauge your conversation <laughs> on the stops. Yeah, like yeah, we can't exactly. get, you get me? So it was, it was, I just remember thinking, I just remember going away and thinking, wow, bro, I remember being blown away and mm. like mentally, like, what the hell? Like, that is mad. Um, and so for me, that was, let's call that a lesson, yeah, of never underestimate people. And that's not to say I was underestimating Yusuf, but I was under underestimating the position I was in, in that, like, kings, whatever, bro, like, man's 21, I'm just going to cut through. And, do you get me? And the, 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 like, the lasting impact that conversation had on me and, like, future conversations, for me, it kind of shaped a lot of the way I kind of went into conversations and, and, and viewed the places I was in. Cause, and it was like, there's there's always going to be, like the per the next person that can change the way you think of things can be around the corner. Mm. Why did you leave Kings? <laughs> if, like, it, sound, it sounds like a, yeah. an amazing place for growth and development and like broadening your horizons. Why did you leave, bro? So 
the main motivation to leave was academic. Cool. So I did ancient history. I did an element of theology, and I was like, I want to do more of this. And so I, I applied. Like my initial instinct was, I come and apply to Kings to just change course or just change course internally without having to apply. And then they said, no, you have to apply for UCAS. You can't just change internally. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I applied to Kings for UCAS and applied to four other unis. One of them was Cambridge. And at Cambridge, the course was very broad. It was theology, religion, and philosophy of religion. So I was like, cool. So I applied to those four unis. The only uni that accepted me was Cambridge. So Kings rejected me for, for that course. So I, in a sense, I had no choice. Um, but yeah, it was mostly an, an academic reason. Cambridge just allowed me space to kind of grow and just think and pursue my interests beyond academia. I think I have to stress that because in large part, I knew get, coming here, I was like, this for me is my life. And what I mean by that, yeah, is I think I fell into the trap, yeah, and I think a lot of my students do this, yeah, I mean, some of my friends, they fall into the trap of thinking university is a formality or a stage to and then once you finish that stage, now it's your life. But for me, I came into uni because I was a bit older, perhaps, because I'd done other things, knowing that, no, this is my life. Do you get me? It's not like the last stage until I go out into the real world. Mm. This is the real world, in a sense. Like, what I do now is who I am. It is... Do you get me? Yeah, I get so, what you mean. Not, not uh, putting things off because... Yeah, I remember my sister saying something to me. The future is now. Like, mm. your future is now. What you do now is is who you are. And so I think for me, it's allowed me to kind of pursue interests, pursue what I find, like giving me kind of that freedom to just um, delve deeper into things I'm interested in. And that doesn't really have to be to do with the law, which was what I'm studying now. Um, and just, I suppose, giving me that kind of, just go out and just, what, what are you really interested in? And just pursue it further. Or like, what do you really want to do? And like, why don't you just go for that? Like, what? Not to say you're gonna say whatever. Like, what is it that you just think is the coolest thing in the world that you can do? Mm -hmm. Just go and pursue it. That that's kind of it. Giving me, I suppose, that kind of freedom. But I don't know how much. It, to be honest, I would have to say the final thing is I don't know how much that is. I can attribute that to Cambridge yeah. as a unique institution, or just that the fact that you're just a, a uni student and have that time. to another institution you know you've been to another university yeah you you have quite an interesting perspective both of them for undergraduates so it's yeah. more like one was undergrad one yeah. was postgrad yeah how would you say how would you say both of those unis compare to each other yeah similarities so differences different I'll, i can give culture yeah culturally uh, speaking yeah i say there's two things that come to mind right one is what i noticed about cambridge is for a lot of people that come here, being intelligent is part of their identity. Um, and what I mean by that is, if you're told through secondary school, primary school, sixth form, you're, you're clever. Yeah. And you're getting shown that, like you're winning prizes, you're getting top of the class, your students refer to you as the clever one, whatever, throughout your whole life. The one that's going to Cambridge. Yeah. Then all of that means that being smart and doing well is intimately tied to who you are. Once you get to a place like Cambridge where everyone else is clever... This can be something we've spoken about, but then it's kind of like, okay, who am I then? Do you get me? Because if so much of who I am is not very unique anymore, then we're going. Then it can lead you to a pursuit of 
either an existential crisis of like who am I really, or just put, or in a more positive sense pursuing other interests. Like, all right, let me learn, let me do a little bit more of this, let me do a little bit more of that, let me focus a bit more on these other things that are going to allow me to be more well-rounded. Because in a sense, like the the, the clever thing is, all right, cool, I've done that, and we can build that. But let's look for other things. Um, whereas at King's, there wasn't that, and for me that was a huge benefit because. Generally, at King's, you start off trying to be well-rounded because the people that I met at King's, yeah, they were phenomenal in so many things. And the only way to describe them, yeah, is that they were just, they were like me, but just mad. Like, yeah. they were like me, but they were just doing phenomenal things. And for me, that was important to see because the idea of, like, being six successful and doing well blah, blah, blah. it has it doesn't have a it doesn't look or walk or talk a certain way mm. do you know what I mean mm. it's a lot more just what you what you get up to um, in your spare time and how you spend your spare time I don't know how well I articulated that but it's very clear in my head I yeah. don't know if it's as clear in terms of what I said I feel like it links to something you said earlier in the conversation about like making the most of the year is just coming out of the year as a more broadened yeah, person, yeah. as someone with broadened interests, broadened horizons. And it sounds like the people at King's seemed a bit more yeah. two-faceted. Like they, they were, there, was a, there was more going on yeah. than just their studies. That wasn't the main topic of conversation. Yeah. That, that, so that's one way I would describe it. Like if, I, if I bumped into someone on the corridor at King's, I would never talk... Like Not I, but it would, it would be odd to talk about your studies, to mm. ask, like, to go into it. Do you get me? You might, if you do the same tablet, cool. But generally, you're not talking about that. You're talking about everything else. Um, and whereas at Cambridge, it is more, I suppose, academic centered, and you talk more about. But listen, it's not to say that one is good and one is bad. But it's just that is a difference, and that's a stark difference I I, I saw and I've I've seen. The idea of academia being more important um, and more. Do you know what? I don't even think importance is the right word. It's just a more part of who you are. Mm. But there's a lot of disadvantages to that one being this 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 pressure to kind of demonstrate your intellectual yeah yeah um ability in day-to-day -day life when it, it doesn't like no one cares yeah, facts. but you might bump into someone on the corridor and you might just want to quickly demonstrate man's, man's, <laughs> man's really supposed to be here you get me yeah, whereas but, but I was like, because at king's that isn't part of that that's not part of the dynamic yeah. who that's that's your business yeah at cambridge that's everyone's business how clever you are is everyone's business Let's let's talk about success. Mm. What does success mean to you? Success for me is being able to explore your interests, express yourself creatively, and create your own opportunities. That's success to me. And that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Is there anything you want to say to the people listening about what's coming up with Have You Met? Or what, what, what they can expect yeah. from us? Yeah. So before I do that, I would definitely reiterate, do share this mm. with someone that you think might like it and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. All of these kind of things just help, uh, help us and help us continue doing what we're doing.